Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 10 to 16, and verses 23 to 26, and chapter 18, verses 31 to 33. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. We've come to our last week in the study of the life of David. Last week's study focused on King David's double sins of adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband, Uriah. One of the most powerful lessons of that part of David's story is the consequences of sin. You see, David repented and God forgave David of his sins. Yet David still had to experience the consequences that the prophet Nathan predicted in 2 Samuel chapter 12. First, the bloody sword from Uriah's death would continue to affect David and his household in the future, verse 10. Second, David's own wives would be molested by some very close, someone very close to him, verse 11. And finally, David's child from the affair with Bathsheba would die, verse 14. In the immediate events of David's life, we see these three consequences play out. Only seven days after the prophet Nathan left David, the child born to Bathsheba died, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 18. As you might remember, David had many children from many wives. Chapter 13 shares a story about two of David's sons. They were half-brothers, half Amnon and Absalom. We learn in 2 Samuel 13 that David's son Amnon raped his half-sister Tamar. Tamar was Absalom's full sister, and he was furious with Amnon, his half-brother. Soon, Absalom had planned for and executed the murder of his brother Amnon. Now, in conflict with King David, his father, Absalom had to flee Jerusalem. After two years, King David allowed Absalom's return to the capital city. When Absalom returned, he began to undermine the kingly rule of his father. As 2 Samuel chapter 15 begins, four more years had passed. During those four years, Absalom stole the hearts of the people of Israel, according to verse 6. In today's lesson, we're going to look closely at the concept of loyalty. Some around David had this special character trait, and some did not. With that background, let's begin reading in 2 Samuel chapter 15, looking at verses 10 through 16. Then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, 
then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. 200 men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom. They had been invited as guests and went quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, to come from Gilo, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength and Absalom's following kept on increasing. A messenger came and told David, the hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, come, we must flee or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin upon us. Uh, and and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, your servants are ready to do whatever our Lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him, but he left 10 concubines to take care of the palace. Absalom had a plan and he was working the plan. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 8, Absalom shrewdly asked his father, King David, for permission to fulfill a vow made some years earlier to worship the Lord in the city of Hebron. Let's not miss this sad reality here. Absalom was using worship as a cover for his true motives of greed, ambition, and power. Certainly, his heart was not in his worship of God. It might be good for us to take a moment to ask God what our motives are when we go to worship at our local church. Putting our attention on anything other than the one true God is a misuse of our time with him when we gather together. Hebron was about 20 miles south of Jerusalem. The choice of the city of Hebron was not by accident for Absalom. First, David was crowned king at the beginning of his reign in Hebron, according to 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. It seemed like a good place for the crowning of a new king. Second, the city of Hebron served as King David's capital for seven and a half years, according to 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I'm, I am sure that there was a, a fraction of people in Hebron who were not happy that David moved the capital from Hebron to Jerusalem. And finally, Hebron was also Absalom's birthplace, according to 2 Samuel chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Maybe some people would choose to support Absalom because he was the hometown guy. Apparently, trusting his son, David gave Absalom permission to travel to Hebron. The conspiracy was working exactly as Absalom had planned. Absalom proceeded to send secret agents throughout the tribes of Israel. He told them to wait for the sound of trumpets. When they heard the trumpets, they were to shout, Absalom is king in Hebron. To add to the attendees at his coronation, Absalom invited 200 guests from Jerusalem to come with him to Hebron. 
These guests were completely ignorant of his true intentions. Imagine their joyous camaraderie as they took this journey together with the prince of the land. I'm reminded as we read this story that innocent people are sometimes trapped or caught up in the scheming of others. The sins of one person, or maybe a few, as in this case, truly do affect an entire community. Absalom added one more influential person to the mix. He invited Ahithophel, the Gileonite, uh, to come to Hebron and help him. Ahithophel had been King David's counselor. He was also, interestingly, Bathsheba's grandfather. It's possible that Ahithophel had been dissatisfied with King David. Maybe he had even carried a grudge against David for his earlier treatment of Bathsheba and Uriah. The presence of Ahithophel with Absalom only increased the strength of Absalom's growing appeal as the next king. As Absalom's popularity increased, it seems in scripture that David appeared to be rather oblivious to what was happening in his kingdom. It took a loyal messenger to alert him. David did not even try to defend himself. Instead, he left the royal residence in a hurry with all of his family and servants. The only exception was 10 of David's concubines who he left behind to watch the palace. These 10 concubines functioned as royal wives whom David married for political purposes. Undoubtedly, David knew that these 10 wives would be very vulnerable to an invading army. As the story unfolds, we see Absalom's blatant disloyalty to God, to the nation of Israel, and to his father, David. We also discover the disloyalty of one of David's royal advisors, Ahithophel. Sadly, we see David's poor discernment of the situation around him. It was a recipe for disaster in David's history as king. Was anyone loyal to the king God had chosen for Israel? Let's continue with the story in verses 23 to 26 of 2 Samuel chapter 15. The whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king also crossed the Kidron Valley and all the people moved on toward the wilderness. Zadok was there too. And all the Levites who were with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They sat down, they set down the Ark of God and Abiathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Then the king said to Zadok, take the ark of God back into the city. If I have found favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his, and his dwelling place again. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, then I am ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. David left Jerusalem from the eastern side of the city. He and his entourage had to first cross the Kidron Valley, 
which separated the portion of Jerusalem known as the City of David and the Mount of Olives. David was headed for Mahanaim, east of the Jordan River, where he would find sanctuary among his friends and sympathizers. As David and others related to the royal household journeyed along this route toward the wilderness, it was like a funeral procession. Many people, sympathizers from the surrounding countryside, stood alongside weeping loudly, according to verse 23. Verse 24 gives us a look at the specific people who had left with David. First, we find Zadok the priest. Zadok would later serve Solomon as chief priest of Israel. Next, we have Abiathar, uh, David's court priest. Finally, we discover that all of the Levites left the city as well. The Levites were specially trained in transporting the Ark of the Covenant of God, which they had brought along with them. It is possible that the Levites and priests thought that the Ark of God would one day give David protection when he eventually had to battle his against his, his own son, Absalom. I would like for us to notice that there were loyal people in the midst of the chaos. While it's easy to feel alone when people around us are not being loyal, it is a good reminder to look around for those who remain faithful to God during such trying times. As David is leaving the city, he noticed the ark of God going with him. Likely, he remembered what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 4 to 11, when the Israelites took the ark into battle against the Philistines. After the defeat, if you'll remember, of the, of the Israelites, the Philistines captured and held the ark for a period of time. David then makes a faith decision in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 25 and 26. David instructs Zadok to take the ark of God back to Jerusalem so that it could reside in the tent that had been set up for the worship of the Most High God. Demonstrating his trust in Yahweh, David surrenders to what the will of God is in this difficult situation. Let me just pause for a moment on that statement. Maybe you're going through a very difficult situation right now. You might feel alone, betrayed, or even defeated. I want to encourage you to look around. You might just find many people who are waiting to support you. I also want to call you to do what is right in God's eyes, even when others around you are not. God is faithful and will uphold you as you follow him through difficult days. Much happened between uh, David, between when uh, David fled Jerusalem and, and the time in the scripture that we're looking at. With David gone from the palace, Absalom arrived. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 15 to 22, we learn that Ahithophel, David's former advisor, who had thrown his lot in with Absalom, advised him to sleep with his father's concubines so that all Israel would hear of it. This action, of course, fulfilled the declared consequences for David's sin with Bathsheba. Upon arriving safely at Mahanaim, east of the Jordan, David discovered that a great many men were still loyal to him as their king. In fact, there were so many 
that he organized them in units of thousands and hundreds, according to chapter 18, verse 1. It's suggested that the people of Judah, the southern tribe, followed David, while the northern tribes, called Israel, followed Absalom. What ensued was a civil war. The battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim, according to 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 6. Earlier that day, before his men set out for battle, David had instructed three commanders, Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, be gentle with the young man Absalom for my sake, David said in chapter 18, verse 5. Absalom was known for his nice looks and his long hair. Ironically, his hair contributed to his downfall when it became tangled in some branches of an oak tree and left him vulnerable during the battle. Joab, ignoring David's request not to harm his son, rushed to the spot where Absalom was dangling by his hair and thrust three javelins into his heart. Chapter 18, verse 14. Throughout the day, David sat in Mahanaim's gateway with a watchman on the roof to inform him of any runner who might be coming with news of the battle's outcome. The battle resulted in the death of 20,000 Israelite soldiers that day, according to verses seven and eight. Finally, the watchman saw two runners. The first one was Ahimeaz, son of Zadok. Ahimeaz cried out, all is well. But the rest of his report made no sense. It appears that he was afraid to tell David about Absalom's death. Let's begin reading again in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 31, for the remainder of our passage for this week. Then the Cushite arrived and said, My lord the king, hear the good news. The Lord has vindicated you today by delivering you from the hand of all who rose up against you. The king asked the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? The Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up to harm you be like that young man. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. The second runner, a foreigner, was less familiar with King David and his story. The runner was a Cushite a man from southern Egypt, perhaps Ethiopia. He believed David would welcome his report and maybe he would even give him a reward for bringing the good news. When David inquired about his son, Absalom, the Cushite replied, may all who rise up against the Lord my king become like that young man, verse 32. David now knew that Absalom had died in battle. Trembling and, and weeping, he went back to the room above the gateway. In his stricken grief, David repeated, my son, five times. Certainly, 
David would have been, uh, would have had a father's grief of a son that had died before his father. It's also possible that David would have reflected on the bigger issue of his own sin, the consequences, and his part in the results that day that lay at his feet. David's desire was that he himself would have died in Absalom's place. God ultimately vindicated David and gave him victory over Absalom. In the end, David's triumph became bittersweet. So too, when disloyalties break apart a community of believers, there are rarely winners. Most often, the community is left grieving, like King David in our story. Let us learn through the challenges, the challenging time in David's life, how important it is for God's people to remain loyal to God and to each other. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.